0: July 22nd. As we look into the New Testament today, our reading will be from the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 14, and we'll go through chapter 8, verse 8. We'll see that if the law cannot change us or control us, what good is it? Its purpose is to reveal sin, and it does this job very well, as we shall see. Paul learned that the law even aroused evil desires in him. If something as holy as God's law can arouse sinful desires, what wicked sinners we must really be. Law brings out the worst in us, but love brings out the best in us. The Holy Spirit within us helps us to do what God wants. And we'll read about life. You see, when God saved you, He gave you a new life, not a new law. As you yield to that life, you obey His law. So keep your mind centered on the things of the Lord, and seek to please God in all things. Let the Spirit live His life in you. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July twenty-second, Romans chapter 7, verse 14, through chapter 8, verse 8. The law is good, then. The trouble is not with the law but with me, Paul, because I am sold into slavery, with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, and my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good, but I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I don't want to do... I am not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God! The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you, through Christ Jesus, from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us, because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God.
1: Paul is praying a prayer for the believers there. And he says, I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And in verse 17, he tells us what he's praying for gives us a list of things. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under His feet, appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So what we see is Paul showing us a few truths. First of all, Christ has all power. God has placed all things under His feet. I want you to think about that with me this morning. His authority, His dominion, this title over every other ruler in all of history. Not one current event that we see on CNN is un- not under the authority of Christ. The violence we're seeing going on in the West Bank right now as we pray for believers there, it's all under the feet of Christ. So we see that Christ has all power, but look at this next truth. The church has the fullness of Christ. And that word literally means to fill completely. So the church has all that Christ has fullness of Christ dwells in the church. And you put those two truths together and look what you get. Christ has all power. The fullness of Christ is in the church. Don't miss this. That means that all the authority of Christ and all the universe belongs to who? It belongs to the church. Think about that. If Christ has it all and we have all of Christ, then we've got it all. all authority, All power, all dominion, everything that is Christ belongs to us. He shares it with us. We share His resurrection, His His crucifixion, His ascension, His exaltation, and His authority. Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples, because you have my authority in you. I want you to look over at 1 Corinthians. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all of them are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. He's reminding them, you possess the authority of Christ. Everything that is His belongs to you. I remember when I uh, was, was getting married to Heather, December 18th, 1999. I, she's a year older than me, married an older woman, so uh, she, she had finished up college. I actually was finishing up, and the semester before we got married, I was finishing up. And so that meant I was a college student, living on college income, eating a lot of ramen noodles, and just kind of making my way, just working as hard as I could at school, and that, therefore I didn't have an income coming from anywhere else. As a result, like many college students, no cash flow whatsoever, all right? No, no real income. As a result, the ramen noodles. That's the picture for me as I'm preparing to get married. Heather, on the other hand, had graduated, and she'd gotten a job teaching. That meant she had cash flow. She had an income coming in. She had money in her bank account. So, on December 18th, 1999, we stand at the altar and we join our lives together. Now on that day, I received some incredible things. Most importantly, a beautiful wife. You know what else I received on that day? Cash flow. One minute, no income. The next minute, income. One minute, nothing in my bank account. The next minute, I got money in the account. Simply by uniting my life with her, everything that was hers became mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a much greater truth for you this morning based on God's Word. When you unite your life with Christ, everything that is His, His holiness, His redemption, His mercy, it's all yours. His power, His authority, His grace, it all belongs to you. We possess the authority of Christ. And I want us to be a church that lives like it. So the people come to Christ, so the gospel's advance, so the nations know the goodness of God. That's what He wants to do. And He's given us His authority to do it. Let's start living like we've got this authority. We possess the authority of Christ, the fullness of Him.
0: Today, we're reading in Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15. We'll see that David sang this song after God delivered him from his enemies and established him as the king of Israel. But keep in mind that he often sang to God in the midst of his trials. It is easier to sing after victory. It takes faith to sing during the battle. As David looked back on those difficult years, what did he see? Well, he saw God's faithfulness. God saved David, protected him, and strengthened him when Saul and his men were out to kill him. Is God your refuge and your strength? He saw God's righteousness. It humbled David to think that God would condescend to call him, equip him, and help him. And he saw God's exaltedness. David did not take credit for his victories. He gave all the glory to the Lord. Whatever David had, God gave it to him. Whatever he was, God made him. Whatever he did, God enabled him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15. For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. For God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, for He saves me from my enemies. The ropes of death surrounded me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The fountains of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angel he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. The brilliance of his presence broke through the clouds, raining down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High gave a mighty shout. He shot His arrows and scattered His enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were greatly confused. Then at Your command, O Lord, at the blast of Your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. Proverbs 19. Verses 24 and 25. Some people are so lazy that they won't even lift a finger to feed themselves. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. If you reprove the wise, they will be all the wiser.